Hi, welcome back to another NFL Pick Show. The last two weeks have been filled with major upsets, with four teams without a winning record defeating rivals that started the week in first place or tied for first in their division. The most important thing we've learned in the first 10 weeks of the season is that every team has flaws. As we approach Thanksgiving, no one is pulling away from the pack and aside from a few clubs, Few are out of the race. Last Tuesday, our crew of NFL experts discussed this, and now we're ready to break down the latest football betting trends and free picks for Week 11 of the NFL. NFL Week 11 Pick Show. I'm your host, Matt Landis. Welcome back to Scott Kellen. And Chris, welcome to another promising week with yet another winner with the Patriots kicking things off on a good note for you last night. Uh, yeah, that was a good, another good night. I actually reviewed the, uh, the team uh, discussion on that uh, matchup, and uh, I was pretty emphatic that they were uh, supposed to take care of business, and they took care of business. Yeah, well, with uh, the Patriots getting you off on the right foot, let's start things off as we do on our Friday shows. Looking at our season records to date, we can see that Chris starting to pull away a bit. This uh, doesn't include last night's Patriots victory. So, Chris, actually 28 and 24 so far. I'm sitting at 18 and 17. Scott at 16 and 15. We'll look to build on this as we work our way down the weekend board for week 11. A couple quick housekeeping items before we get there. If you're joining us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and jump in that chat. Let us know who you like as we work our way down the week 11 slate. And if you really like anybody, you can get and play yourself at BetUS. Sign up today using the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign up bonus. And for more information, you can check out the link below this video. All right, guys, as we get to the weekend games, I'll note off the top, we did cover four games on our Tuesday show. Those would be Detroit, Cleveland, Indy, Buffalo, Baltimore, Chicago, and New Orleans, Philadelphia. You can catch the clips to those breakdowns on the BetUS official YouTube channel. Spoiler alert, Chris laying to seven with Buffalo and laying six and a half with Baltimore TA on New Orleans, Philadelphia, under 43 and a half. And Chris, since we talked Saints-Eagles, you've gotten in play on a side, so why don't you quickly get us up to speed there? <clears throat> Excuse me. I still haven't actually bet this, but uh, I like the line now. Anyway, um, I, I just don't understand all this Philadelphia love. Uh, uh, I don't have them rated uh, higher than 17th in anything. Uh, they're 17th offensively, uh, or uh, either offensively or defensively in 26 the other way. They're 21st over, uh, overall. Uh, meanwhile, I have New Orleans, the third best off, uh, defense, and uh, 17th offense, which is adequate. Uh, they take care of business. Uh, usually, they had uh, a bad break last week, but uh, at least they covered for us. And uh, I'm to keep it short and sweet, I'm, I'm on the Saints again. Yeah, I'm, well, not, I'll I'm be just not a believer in the Eagles. Yeah, I'll be pulling for that right along with you because we kind of teased at it on Tuesday. I have gone ahead and teased the Saints, also the Bills. Um, we talked about those during the Tuesday breakdowns, and we'll circle back on the teams I'm pairing the Bills and Saints with in a couple teasers. Scott, I know you'll be teasing Buffalo as well, so we'll get to that later on. Yeah, and just to support your teaser on New Orleans, uh, Matt, I have not pulled that plug yet either. Um, I'm just waiting some in in injury information, but... I make the the line 0.4 for Philly, so a little value with New Orleans. New Orleans, by the way, since 2018, they're 8-1 against their spread as a road dog, including 7-2 straight up. And on the other side of that, Philly, four since, and this is also since 2018, I know different regime, but Philly 4-11-1 against the spread as a home favorite since 18. Only two of those 16 games have they even won by more than eight points. So, uh, you know, teasing these teams right now, I think as well, uh, has a very good chance, especially if New Orleans can come in somewhat healthy. Both tackles a little bit questionable, but uh, that's what I'm looking at in that game. Yeah, a lot of carnage in the teaser landscape the past couple weeks, but I think that there might be some short-term noise we're dealing with. Overall, when we're getting advantageous numbers like this board's presenting, I still think it's worth exploring some advantageous bets. So more to come on that front as we work our way down the board. But kicking it off with a game in the early window on Sunday, a team we won't be teasing, the San Francisco 49ers laying six at minus 115 on the road in Jacksonville, total 45. Scott, what are you looking for in this matchup? 
You know, I make the number here 3.2. So we got a little bit of value here with Jacksonville. I'm not sure I'm prepared to take Jacksonville. I make the total 45, which is basically right where we're at with the total. But I'm going to lean over here a little bit. Um, Jacksonville's been pretty good in protecting the quarterback, their eighth lowest in sack percentage. And San Fran just 25th best in pressure rate. So they may have some time to throw the ball here a little bit. Um, and, and San Fran, on the other hand, 13th best in big pass plays. So they're generating big pass plays. Uh, Jacksonville 29th in the league and allowing big pass plays. So the Niners figure to have a little bit of success here, I think, uh, in, in the passing game as well, as long as Debo Samuel's healthy. I know he's been a little bit limited, but um, we'll assume that he's healthy in this conversation. Um, and I was just looking back. San Fran now 5-1 and one of the over in their last six games as a road favorite, so they're the superior team, uh, having scored 31 or more in five of those six games. So they are actually scoring points in, in this role, uh, so it would not surprise me to do that if they do that again. And just looking at the 49ers on the season, they're four and five straight up on the year, but three and one straight up versus below 500 teams, and actually one and four straight up versus 500 above teams. Obviously, last week against the Rams, they got that first win. So they've seemed to be able to take care of business against these lower teams, scoring points. Um, and I would lean over here, even though my my you know my numbers put it right on the number, but I think the matchup is favorable for a possible over in this game. Yeah, I know the Niners finally gave us the performance that uh, we've been waiting for throughout much of the season on Monday night, beating the Rams. But when I dive into this game, I still can't help but wonder who's playing better looking at the past couple weeks. And that might sound insane, but we know week nine, the Jags beat Buffalo. The Niners, a pretty embarrassing loss to the Cardinals B team. And then last week, the Jags with the ball on the road in Indy, a potential game-winning drive. They ended up winning yards per play against the Colts. They were done in by losing the turnover battle and a special teams touchdown for Indy. But the Jags played pretty well, all things considered. And the 49ers, that scoreboard was very kind to them. But digging into the numbers, yards per play was pretty even. San Francisco went plus two in turnovers, including a pick six. Also some nice luck on high leverage downs. San Francisco going nine for 16 on third and fourth down compared to the Rams, just three for 15. And in the red zone, San Francisco two for two, Rams one for four. So the Niners certainly benefiting from some positive variance on Monday night. Not sure if that's going to hold. Certainly still think they're the better team here, but I can't pull the trigger on them in this matchup. Chris, what are you looking for on Sunday when San Francisco takes on Jacksonville? Well, I got to give Scott grief. I don't know how he can only have uh, San Francisco uh, 3.2 ahead, but uh, I, I have it the other direction. Uh, I have a, a strong lean on San Francisco. I'm letting this line percolate a little bit. Um, I, I know the San Francisco resume isn't the best right now, but my, the way I'm putting my metrics together, I, I'm showing quite a bit of difference here. But I agree with you, Matt. Uh, there's signs of life uh, after that Seattle debacle uh, that Jacksonville had uh, after the, their bye. So um, I'm not in a rush to take San Francisco. I probably will take San Francisco. And uh, I think San Francisco was expected to be a very good team. And this is the time of year when teams start to do what they're supposed to do if they have the ability to. And we saw signs of that against the Rams. And uh, I think the Ram San Francisco is a little bit better than we thought they were. I, th I think the Rams aren't quite as good as we thought they were. And uh, I, again, I'm not in a hurry to lay the points in this one. Maybe uh, Jacksonville can get some love and, and the line will come down a little bit. But I'll probably uh, be on San Francisco here. And Chris, when you talk about waiting to play San Francisco, you've been the one wisely preaching hurry up and wait in many cases throughout the season. Is there a number you're looking for? Are you trying to pick off a flat minus six? Or is there any information you're keeping an eye out for that could then inform when you pull the trigger on the Niners? Um, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting on the lines. I just don't think it's going to uh, hit seven at all. And, and I certainly would uh, prefer a six. And uh, even if uh, a line is sitting there like the house by the side of the road, it can't hurt. I'm babysitting lines anyway. Maybe I get a miracle five and a half from a rogue shop someplace. So I I'm always searching for the best numbers. It's just the most important thing to do. Yeah, well, a strong lean for you in this one. And in the next game on the board, you've got a bet, Chris. And that bet would be involving the Dolphins-Jets game. Miami laying three and a half. It reduced VIG on the road. Total 44 and a half. Chris, let us know who you like in this one. Well, this this is uh, 
just really goes back to the simple comment I like to say is don't bet bad teams uh, unless you're getting points from another bad team. And uh, in this case, uh, we have the home team Jets getting over a field goal, which, I, I mean, hey, I know Miami's got their uh, Tua, but, you know, he's inconsistent. They, they're banged up all over the place. And uh, um, we get that hardcore, uh, dependable veteran uh, Flacco in for the Jets. So uh, they should roll. <laughs> you know, I saw something funny. Uh, they were talking about how he's unvaccinated and uh, somebody uh, put in the comment, well, he couldn't pass anything to anybody. So <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> so, but with that in mind, it, it, it really is that simple. I, I have, uh, uh, I have uh, the Jets actually uh, should be favored in this game. I, I, these points are a gift. Uh I know anything can happen. The Jets are trending down, but both of these teams are trending down. Uh, the Jets are trending down a point lower over the last seven weeks. Uh, I have to just take the points as simple as that. It's just two garbage teams uh, plus the points. I understand you looking to take the Jets getting the hook here, but when you say they should be favored, I think that will raise a lot of eyebrows from people watching this or perhaps listening in podcast form. Uh, are there any metrics you can share that give you insight into why you make the Jets the team that should be favored in this matchup? I, I just have both of these teams rated uh, identical. They're right next to each other in the overall rankings, believe it or not. Uh, um, I, 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 not well, maybe if they're even in home fields, see. even just a point, then then that might be the nudge you need. Yeah, I mean that's it's it, they're just they're just basically even. If you gave if you gave uh, the Jets one point for home field, uh, the, I'd have them favored. Yeah. All right. Well, I hear you there. It's a pass for me. Uh, my thought when I look at this game is that oftentimes final scores can be misleading. Just talked about how San Fran's win over the Rams maybe a bit of a misleading final. Not the case last week for these two teams. Miami, a very fair twenty-two to ten win over Baltimore, as surprising as that was. And the Jets, a pretty fair 45-17 to loss to the Bills. The Dolphins last week, even with that double-digit win over the Ravens, is a big home dog. It's not like they got lucky on third down or in the red zone. They were the more penalized team, so a lot to like from the way the Dolphins played last week. The Jets, on the other hand, outgained by almost four yards of play. That's about as lopsided as we'll ever see it get. Mike White, four interceptions, but still not sure why exactly they're turning to Joe Flacco in this one. So uh, I do think Miami's the better team, but not by enough to look at them laying three and a half on the road to anybody in the NFL right now. So a pass for me. Scott, what are you looking for in this matchup between the two bottom feeders and the AFC East? Yeah, it's no play for me, but I think I'll lean Jets. I make the number 1.8, so a little bit of value here with the Jets, and that's trying to factor in uh, Flacco playing. Uh, I make the total 45, so we're right on board there. Here's the, a couple problems with taking the Jets. Uh, they're number 32 in, in the league and allowing big pass plays. So there's a chance here Miami could hit. There's no question Miami has been better with Tua at the helms. Uh, now, I don't think he's a, he's a world beater here, but they're definitely better. And with him at quarterback, they've been number eight in the league in running the ball. Um, Jets number 24, so they might be able to run the ball here a little bit. Flacco's getting the start. He's going to be better from a yards per pass standpoint. Uh, he's averaged 5.6 yards a pass last year with the Jets, um, and he's about 6.6 yards a pass in his career. Uh, Wilson was averaging only five yards a pass, so much better there. But in the very short frame, White was averaging actually 6.9 yards a pass. So I don't know that Flacco's going to be any better from that standpoint. Where Flacco's probably going to help them, though, he's not going to throw as many interceptions uh, as those other guys were, were. So that helps him a little bit from that standpoint. But let's remember, Flacco played this team. It, we, we've seen what the Dolphins have done here the last couple of weeks and putting a lot of pressure on Tyrod Taylor, on Lamar Jackson. And obviously, uh, Saleh went to Flacco to just kind of stabilize that a little bit, knowing what the Dolphins are probably going to throw at him. But remember, I'm just looking here. Uh, they went to Miami last year with Flacco starting in quarterback, and they lost that game 24 to nothing to the Dolphins. I did, and, and, and we know Flacco is a standing Statue of Liberty back there. He's not going to move around. So if they're able to put some pressure on him, that does worry me a little bit. He's obviously going to stabilize that position for them you know, versus these other guys that have been starting. But I think he also has some detriments to him. And 
if they can put pressure on him, that might not be favorable. So it's a stay away from me, but that's kind of how I look at this with Flacco playing. Yeah, you know, my stats to answer your question, Matt, are showing, you know, quite a bit of improvement uh, with the Jets' offense uh, over the last six, seven weeks. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, their defense has been, you know, going farther down. But um, I wonder whether the over might be a look. I don't do a lot with totals, but it just seems like uh, uh, if uh, you have a Jets quarterback that's not going to make silly mistakes, at least uh, they should get some points on the board. And Miami should get some points on the board. I, I it, it, that would be my look, uh, possibly. Hey, to yeah, your well, point on that, Chris, okay. I, I think I've got the Jets about average, you know, about 15, 16 in offense, to your point. So um, I'm kind of shocked when I look at their numbers sometimes. But you're right. Their offense has not been horrible. And a Flacco can throw the ball a little bit. I just worry about pressure on them. But short yeah. of that, their offense is not – it's not horrible. You know, when, when you get ridiculed about- as much as Flacco gets, he's used to the pressure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when we talk about the Jets offense not being horrible, how much of that, you know, if we look at yards per player or some, you know, top line metrics that generally are pretty well respected, there's been a lot of garbage time for the Jets, a lot of blowouts. So some of this might be coming in the fourth quarter against prevent defenses. Is that factored into your guys' numbers when you say the Jets offense actually isn't that far below average? No, to be fair, mine's not. I have not pulled that out. So you're you're spot on in that. I mean, the game against Cincinnati, obviously, you know that that game was a, a full game for him mm-hmm. uh, in in basically neutral. But no, I have not pulled those out. I think that's a fair argument. Got it. Well, plenty of food for thought there, Chris. One more thought on this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you were just ready to jump back in. Are you sure? No, just leave this game alone. <laughs> All right, leave it alone unless you're going to be like Chris and bet the Jets here as the home dog. From one team getting a new quarterback this week to another, the Panthers, uh, presumably with Cam Newton playing the majority of this game, hosting Washington, Carolina laying three and a half at even money, total 43. And Scott, tell us what you're looking for on Sunday with this Washington-Carolina showdown. Well, you know, for me... I'm usually looking for reasons to bet against Cam Newton just because I just don't trust the guy. And I feel much, really, quite frankly, I feel much more comfortable betting against him than on him because I think there's a lot of variance with him. And um, I don't want to be riding him and hoping that he's going to do everything okay. Um, I don't really have a a great reason to bet against him here. Uh, You know, the problems for Washington here is Montez Sweat and Chase Young have gone out over the course of the last two weeks. Number one, those are their their two best run defenders. And also, I think number two and number four, I believe, in pressure rate. Um, uh, and, you know, the secondary hasn't been great this year. So you start getting a little bit lighter, less pressure. That worries me a little bit. I will say those this, though, looking back, Matt Rule now with Carolina, he's one in four straight up and against the spread as a home favorite. He's lost to Chicago and Atlanta and Denver last year, Philly this year. Their only win as a home favorite is by five points over the Jets back in week one. So I worry a little bit about this team just being able to um, stretch it and win by margin. And they got to win by more than three and a half here, obviously. Um, And just they're also four and one to the under in that role. And then with Rivera, who got there last year as well at, at Washington, they played four games as road dogs against teams who didn't make the playoffs. They're two and two straight up. But they haven't lost any of those games by more than three points. So his team seemed to be competitive uh, against uh, what we could call, I guess, a more equal type opponent. So it's hard for me to lay points. Um, I don't have enough to take Washington just because of those injuries and stuff. I worry about that. Um, I would, do, If I did anything, I would take Washington, but I'm not, I'm not doing anything in this game. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and take Washington here at plus three and a half. I make that good up to minus 120, the current price at BetUS. And Scott, you mentioned not having a great reason to bet against Cam Newton. And one of the primary reasons for me here, Chris is going to love it. It does involve the look ahead line a little bit. And I know (laughs) we want to take that with a grain of salt. So let's get that out of the way. But at the extremes, I think it can at least be informative directionally. And last week we were looking at this line, Carolina minus two. And since then we've seen Washington as a double digit dog at some shops, beat Tampa Bay by double digits. And yet the line moves against them uh, all the way through the three up to three and a half. And I know for Carolina, that was a feel-good win in Arizona. 
But I just struggle to wrap my head around Cam being worth that much, even if we buy into the narrative that there's an energy bump for the Panthers. Fine, that might be very real. Uh, but even still, if we've got Cam dropping back over the course of the game, I like my chances with Washington. And also, I'm not sure there's a coach in the league who knows Newton anywhere near as well as Ron Rivera. So that could work in Washington's favor. Chris, what do you think of this one? You know, I'm not, I, I'm pretty indifferent to uh, Carolina and uh, Cam and all that. But I got to say, it was uh, one of the first times in a long time that it was sort of like a feel good type situation. Uh, Cam's really genuinely happy to be there. Uh, everything you hear, he was just like proactive and getting the people, the guys together. He's a cheerleader out there. And he just stepped right in and elevated everybody across the board and, and it in, in such a feel-good way. And, uh, it, you know, that's good to see. And I think that that's why we see that kind of line movement. Uh, my numbers have this a little bit lower than a field goal. And I'm just going to stay off of it. I, I mean, it's hard to believe what Washington has come full circle to the, to the point where we're almost going to be pivoting and playing them again, possibly. So... Uh, I'm sitting this one out. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I think my my brain tells me Carolina should win this one. So Washington's probably the play. Yeah, well, two straight games where between the three of us, we've got some underdogs in play. And let's see about possibly making that a third game with an ugly dog here. Houston traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Where to the Titans, a double-digit home favorite, total 44.5. Scott, you're on a side here. Tell us all about it. Yeah, this is really just a numbers play for me, Matt. Um, I, you know, in, in looking at Houston and just considering the Tyrod Taylor starts, at least from an offensive standpoint, I'm only getting Tennessee by about four and a half points in this game, um, which, you know, probably seems pretty low. Obviously, they're favored by 10. So I'm just going to play it just based on that principle. But I was also looking back since Tannehill started, which I, I, I don't remember the year. I think it was 18 or 19. I remember that first game against the Chargers. They won 23 20. Uh, laying two and a half points at home. He's been a home favorite 13 times. They won just two of those 13 games by more than eight points. So even though they're winning a lot of games here, they're not winning by distance. Now, yes, they did blow out um, those two games. They won by more than 13. They won by a large margin against bad teams, Jacksonville, and I forget the other team. And obviously you could lump Houston in here as well. Uh, Houston coming off their bye, though. Um, I think we're going to see you know a better game from Tyrod Taylor. There was a lot of pressure put on him in that game at Miami, uh, and he didn't handle it well. But we saw them do that to the Ravens, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss it a little bit. And then Taylor just missed some open receivers in that game, some plays that could have gone for touchdowns. So I'm going to chalk that up a little bit to him being rusty coming back. They've had a bye. He's had a chance to kind of get going again. Um, it's a little bit of a dangerous play because they're, they're certainly a team that can always get blown out. But I'm going to put a little bit more faith back in, back in Tyrod Taylor here and take the 10 points, what I think is value on Houston's side, um, and hope that they can stay within the number. When you say that you make this game four and a half, uh, I immediately want to shield your eyes from any comments in the YouTube breakout of this video from Titans fans. That uh, definitely raises some eyebrows. But I do want to follow up and, and ask about you know that being a pretty big discrepancy between, obviously, the line we're looking at here, the Texans plus 10, and when you're making your own numbers, anything you get in play on, you need to be, you know, off the market by enough to see an edge that warrants laying minus 110. But if you're that far off, sometimes it might be a little bit alarming. Maybe you're missing something. So when you see that you make this spread less than half of what the market has, how do you process that big of a discrepancy possibly, you know, being something that you could be missing versus it being just possibly that big of an edge with an ugly underdog? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think you have to respect the market, right? And, uh, you know, although I didn't don't do that in the base four and a half points, you have to assign something for what the market is valued at, at right? Because um, the, the more times than not, the market's going to be a lot more right than than you are for the most part. So I think you got to respect that and you, you can build that back in there if you want. And also, let's let's face it, Taylor's played three games. So we're operating at least from an offensive standpoint, um, it, which is what I'm using on the offensive side for Houston. Um, we're operating under, under three games and, uh, that's a very small sample size and there's a lot, you know, to, to really be thought about there as well. So, uh, but I'm still making it a best bet. I mean, this number could be eight and, and, you know, there'd still be value there. So even if I'm off, I'm still grabbing Houston here. Um, 
I don't like, let's face it. Tennessee is eight and two or whatever the record is. This team could easily be five and five. They could very easily be five and five. That game against the Bills, they could have lost that game in the last minute. Um, they've had a lot of close games here, right? So um, they're not an eight and two team. That I, I'm very confident of. Um, you know, so there's a little bit of the record built into this line as well, which I'm not sure is quite warranted either. Yeah, well, if I'm going to shield you from those YouTube comments, then maybe you can reciprocate and shield me because I am with you on the Texans plus the 10 here. And building on that last point you made, I want to give the Titans credit for the wins they've compiled lately. And I do think they're a good team. Make no mistake about that. I think yep. they're good. But with that record, they're masquerading as a great team, and I just don't see it. Last week against the Saints, they were gifted a touchdown at the end of the first half. New Orleans missed two extra points. Tennessee still couldn't cover. And frankly, they were lucky to win that game, getting outgained by a yard and a half per play. So that had me set to look for a way to possibly fade the Titans. I would prefer to back just about any team other than the Texans if I'm going to step in front of the Titans. But, you know, this is the hand we're dealt. And when I look at this matchup, I think that's okay because it's tough to see Tennessee building a margin considering that they have the lowest rate in the league on offense in terms of plays generating 20 or more yards. The Houston defense also is as maligned as the Texans can be. 17th in DVOA, that's pretty respectable. And both of these teams, bottom 10 in pace. So if we're not going to see a lot of plays, and we're especially not likely to see a lot of explosive plays for Tennessee, even though they're the clear better team here, they might struggle to get enough separation to cover this double-digit spread. So that has me on the Texans as well with Scott. Chris, what do you make of this one? I think everybody's just crazy. I don't know what you're smoking down there in Mexico when you go down there, but something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> who's, who's going to Mexico? I, I, have spent, <laughs> yeah. I have spent so much time arguing with people about the value of Tennessee, and I have been arguing that Tennessee is is certainly nowhere near a top-level team. So I'm arguing uh, against Tennessee, and then you put out a figure that I have to actually argue in favor of Tennessee. It's it's so <laughs> I don't know how we can be so far apart. It's like I this line is is you know keeps on going down. It's clearly a public dog play. Everybody and their grandmothers on this team. You can see the square the the square shops are already down to nine and a half on this. I may actually be popping in on Tennessee here, and Tennessee has quite frankly been offensive offensively later they or lately <laughs> they've only had 350 yards over the last two games i mean i may be forced to pop in on this houston is just atrocious they're awful they're 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 30 31 or 32 in all my all my uh, overall rankings i i i hope this thing just keeps sliding down i, I i'll get on the tennessee bandwagon so <laughs> that's all i have yeah. to say I, it's hey, a no nine and a half right. your buy price, Chris. Nine and a half will get you on Tennessee. There's nine and a half already. It might it, it might go lower. It it might go lower. Hey, Chris, if I if I took all and, and you know I'm I'm not saying I'm right on this. If I took all of Houston stats, yes, I would have them near the bottom of the barrel as well. Um, but you know I've taken out the games for Davis Mills. Uh, and again, small sample size, right? And and so maybe I'm banking too much in Tyrod Taylor. Hey, look, that came back to bite me in the Miami game. I had him at Miami. This would be my final yeah. chance to take him. I'm not going to take Houston, you know, eight different weeks here uh, and keep getting burned. But I I'll take one more shot with him. Well, and then I had that Houston game. Uh, I almost knocked myself out of the contest. I almost took Houston. Uh, uh, but they, they Houston deserved to cover that game. Yeah, it, even though both of those teams are horrible, but if a, a team is underperforming for me, then I've got to make an adjustment for that also. And, and they're just underperforming too. Yeah. Well, we can declare Chris the people's champion when it comes to uh, the Titans chatter that we're pretty sure to see in the YouTube comments for this. I'll game. argue both ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All you about both that. Ways, Chris. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> all about that pivot. All right, well, moving on from this one to a less lopsided game, perhaps. Green Bay, Minnesota. Currently, the Packers, a short favorite, minus one, total 47. And Chris, we don't have much of a point spread here, but you do like a side. Tell us about it. Oh, I don't even know where to start here. I really like this game. The Green Bay is all banged up. They've got players on the sideline. Rodgers has COVID effects. He barely lasted through the last game. Uh, he, he, uh, his wind and, and just his energy level was getting hit. 
And with all their injuries and with Minnesota finally getting the monkey off their back in a close game with the Chargers last week, uh, or, or who'd they play last week? Did they play the Chargers? I forget who yep. they played last week. But, uh, Thanks for the reminder. Um, but Minnesota's at home here. They have to have this game. Green Bay doesn't have to have this game. Uh, Minnesota should have success running the ball. They, the Green Bay Cousins plays better at home. Uh, I just have uh, I have this rated as Minnesota should have been favored by two and a half. The fact that I got points earlier in the week and I still think it would be a play plus one is just a gift. Yeah, well, another game where you're taking a side and I'm with you in the form of a teaser. I'm going to go ahead and tease Minnesota with the Saints. At this stage, with that number uh, down to one, it's going to need to be a six and a half point teaser at BetUS and some other books. I'm okay with that up to a price point of minus 130 to get the Vikings up through the seven to seven and a half. A good shopper can still get it on a six point teaser. So look around if you have the ability to do so. But looking at the Vikings is a teaser leg here. One of my key factors, a couple common opponents between these two teams, the Bengals and the Cardinals, all four of those games could have easily gone either way. Green Bay went 2-0. Minnesota went 0-2. I think that skews the perceptions of these teams. Minnesota, better than its record would indicate. I also think we might be getting a bit of a free roll with Aaron Rodgers coming back from COVID. It's not such a binary in or out with some of these quarterbacks. I mean, the aforementioned Cam Newton, we saw last year when he came back from COVID, it wasn't anywhere near full strength, and Rodgers didn't look great last week. So maybe he's not 100%, and even if the COVID issues are fine, now nursing a toe injury. So with the Packers offense, some concern. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Aaron Jones being out. On the other side of the ball, that Vikings ground game going against this Packers defense could actually work out well for a generally suboptimal approach for the Vikings being perhaps too run heavy. That may serve them well in this matchup. So I like the Vikings as a teaser leg. Scott, how about you? Uh, I'm not playing anything right now. If I do anything on this, Matt, I, I would tease it. Um, just looking at Zimmer since he came to Minnesota, he's 8-4 and four as a home dog. He's been very good there, 8-4 and four to the under. This thing got bet down a couple points yesterday from 49 down to 47. I make the total 49, but I, I, but I, I would lean under in it a little bit. Um, as you said, Aaron Jones is out, so they lose a little bit of explosiveness there. Um, they'll pick up the pieces with A.J. Dillon, but – you know, he's just more going to be more of running straight ahead with the ball, uh, which is going to run clock and eat clock as well. Both these teams not very good defending the run, so we can get a lot of running from that standpoint, I think, as well. Um, and in those 12 games that Zimmer's been a home dog, they've only lost three of those 12 games by more than seven points. So um, I think close to the vest here, Vikings have played a lot of close games this year. If you can get this teased up over a touchdown, so over the seven uh, to get seven and a half or more, I think there's some value here. I made the I made the line Green Bay by point two, so basically pick them here. So I think uh, a teaser play is, is decent. The only two things, uh, you know, Chris, to your point, um, I think Green Bay has to have this game. They need to finish number one. I'm a Packer fan. I've been to a lot of Packer Viking games. Um, they've kind of dominated Minnesota in Green Bay, or um, I'm sorry, in Minnesota there since um, in the last couple of years. But they, they need this game because they need the number one spot, which is the only buy. So, uh, and, and it's their rival. So they're going to be fully focused for this game. And they do have a much, much better coach in Green Bay as well than, than um, Zimmer in Minnesota. But uh, with all that said, you know, the Packers are 8-2. and two. Are they good? Yeah. But, they're, man, their numbers just do not support that. Um, a teaser for me, I think, is an okay play here and as long as you can get it over a touchdown. And I will probably end up teasing this before the weekend's over. Assuming yeah, the line I mean, of doesn't course, keep coming down. Uh, of course, they they need the game, but are they really going to be as hungry as Minnesota is in their situation? Yeah. Especially after Minnesota's lost, uh, Green Bay's come in there several years in a row and beaten them on their home home uh, field. Uh, I, I, I just be. don't. See, they will. I, be, I see I, a, a I, big I, hunger difference. Chris, I, I don't think so. They're going to be they're going to be unbelievably hungry for this game. This is a huge rivalry. Trust me on that. I. Like I said, I'm a Packer fan. You know, that goes out the window when I'm betting. But uh, I know this series, and there's going to be a lot of Wisconsin Green Bay fans there. So um, I don't think that will be an issue. Um, that doesn't discount your Viking play, right? Uh, I, Vikings could win this game very easily because, again, it's it's hard to match Green Bay's record with their numbers, quite frankly. But um, But they'll be focused. That doesn't mean they're going to win, though. 
I mean, did Chris. Green Bay did Green Bay overperform your uh, metrics last year? Also, uh, no. Last year they were actually pretty good. Two years ago, you know, when they were thirteen and three, they were about an average team offensively for me. And you know, the defense has never been great shakes. Last year, their offense I thought was performing really unbelievably well. Um, and quite frankly, they finally got home field advantage, you know, against Tampa in the championship game, which they haven't had for a while. You know, I thought that was their year because their offense was pretty good. Um, so last year wasn't so bad. Did they overperform for you last year? Yeah, Green Bay uh, has, has looked pretty mediocre in the, over the last couple of years uh, on my metrics generally. So I was just curious how, how your data was popping out. Definitely two years ago, and this year um, they're doing it again in my mind. Yeah. Chris, one more question for you as we wrap this one up. Uh, this is now two short underdogs you've taken, Minnesota plus one as well as New Orleans plus two. When you're taking the points with underdogs getting less than a field goal, how much consideration do you give to the money line? I played 20% of my wager on the money line. We, we don't really have a format here on uh, uh, when we're giving official picks to, to do that or to vary the size. So. Um, I probably should have mentioned that. I appreciate you bringing that up. But yeah, definitely. Uh, if I'm if I'm playing underdogs of uh, less than three, I'm looking at the money line, depending on what money line I can get. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. I've taken the same approach and, and found it to work quite well over the years. I mean, if your ATS wager is going to lose, then that money line wager is probably going to lose as well. But for those plus payouts, it can be more than worth it to put a little bit on the money line. So something to consider for anybody looking to follow Chris's look on the Vikings. And on that note, that wraps up the early window for us. A quick time out to say, if you're with us on YouTube, give us a quick thumbs up, jump in that chat, and we'll keep things rolling with the late window on Sunday, kicking it off with Cincinnati and Las Vegas. The Bengals, a one-point favorite on the road. This total's been bet up a bit over the course of the week, and it might not be done yet, currently sitting at 50 and a half. And Scott, you're in play on the total. Tell us what you're looking for. Yeah, I like it over uh, my numbers. I'll, I'll be honest here. My numbers don't quite support it. It's like you said, Matt, it's been bet up. So it's getting a little bit out of the value range. But the matchup itself does. Uh, Raiders are number one in big pass plays generated. Now, we'll see if that continues. We know last couple of weeks we've seen a little bit different offense here, you know, with with rugs being out and whatnot. Bengals number five in big pass plays. Um, and Raiders number five throwing the ball, passing the ball, Cincinnati number eight. So uh, I think there can be some uh, – they're going to be throwing the ball here in this game, I believe, and I think there will be the potential for some big plays. Cincinnati this year is a road favorite. I know they're minus one. It's how much of a road favorite are they really? But they've scored 34 and 31 points as a road favorite here. So at least when they're considered the superior team or somewhere in that neighborhood, they're scoring – and looking back here, the Raiders are 11-0 to the over in their last 11 games as a home dog. They've scored 20 or more points in each of those games with the exception of last week's game versus Kansas City. So now some of those games like that Miami game last year that kind of blew up in the end of the fourth quarter, um, you know, they probably were never headed towards a high-scoring game. So I realize that. But I, I, I do think there's some potential for some games here, uh, for some points here. And in those 11 games as a home dog, they're allowing 21 or more in each of those games as well. So I think there's potential to have some points here. By the way, and, and I don't know um, what the um, team totals are going to be here, but something under 27, you could even play a team total for either one of these. Probably, I would probably prefer it with Cincinnati uh, over the team total as well um, or take you know over the 51 and a half. But if you can get Cincinnati at 26 and a half or lower on the team total, I may even prefer that. But for show purposes here, we'll, we'll consider over 15 and a half as the best bet. You mentioned the Raiders being 11 and 0 to the over in their last 11 games as a home dog. And this is really close to the Raiders not being a home dog. I think they might have been favored at some shops earlier in the week. So is there any underlying logic about the Raiders perhaps being a more sizable underdog that plays into that trend? Uh, or, or do you think that even at this range is just a one point underdog? There's something that could really fuel that trend even further this Sunday. Um, you know, it's for me, it's kind of just trying to look at team profiles to a degree, just trying to just measure them up. And uh, if, if obviously if their label is a home dog, um, they're the inferior team here. And it just seems to be uh, now they, you know, they played in Oakland a couple of years ago. So you've got a couple of different stadiums here as well. But it just seems to me when they're not the better team, they're giving up points for sure. Uh, 21 or more, I think I said, in, in each of those games. 
and you know they're they're having some success scoring uh, scoring points as well. So it just tells me everything that we kind of saw with the Raiders last week to a degree. And I was on them in a teaser, which obviously had no chance. But um, when they're playing teams better than them, those teams are coming to their house and they're scoring points on them. And uh, and they do have big play capability. We'll see what happens now because you know kind of what Chris measures a lot is you know are they trending upwards or downwards and. They've certainly trend down a little bit here the last couple of weeks with everything that's happening to them. So um, that's always at risk here as well, which is why, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Cincinnati uh, on the over for the team total as well, because I feel a little bit more confident in what they're going to do. But we'll, we'll call it over on the on the game as a whole. Yeah, and I'm with you on that full game over. I'd make 50 and a half my price ceiling to get in play beneath that key number of 51, a 27 to 24 kind of final. Very much a possibility here. And I look at this as a game with two strong offenses, as you touched on, Scott. Um, So just a quick level summary on my end. The defense is both a little bit beatable. The Raiders, D, not much behind some outstanding performances so far this year from Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. And on the Bengals side of things, they were a pleasant surprise defensively through the first half of the season. And then we saw what happened with the Mike White experience and then the Browns putting up almost eight yards per play on the Bengals before they took their bye. So, Chris, after what we've seen from that Bengals defense recently, I know they were in the top ten at one point for you. Where does that Cincy D rank now? I feel like we've talked about this game way too long. But then you look at these teams, and they're both five and four. We should be excited about this this matchup. I can't get excited about this matchup. Both of these teams are trending down offensively and defensively and overall, surprisingly enough. I loved betting both of these teams previously. Uh, I just don't know what to make of where they're going to go. I have a funny feeling that the Raiders are a sinking ship. I think Rudin really managed the offense more than people realized, and, and it showed. And, and it, I don't see how they're going to have those big explosive plays anymore. It, it was painfully apparent early in that game against Kansas City he doesn't without rugs. I don't know how they're going to move the ball. I mean, against any, I mean, Kansas City's defense has been playing much better, but they're still not that good. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so I don't understand how the Raiders are expected to move, run up and down the field like uh, uh, like you might think they will. And Cincinnati doesn't have to run up and down the field either. So I'm a little leery about the over. It looks too darn easy. My my gut said bet the over and my gut's usually wrong in the NFL. I have to use my metrics. So somehow, some way, I think this thing ends up under, but I hope you guys win because I'm not going to have an investment in it. And as far as the side goes, as I said, both of these teams are, I'm, I'm happy. I don't have a play. I want to sit and watch. It's going to be interesting. And whichever team loses here uh, is, you know, might be officially in free fall. Yeah, well, Chris, no investment for you in this one, but you are invested in the next game on the board, that being an NFC West showdown, Arizona heading to Seattle. The Cardinals, a two-point favorite on the road here, total 47.5. Chris, tell us what side you're on. Boy, you know, as the week goes on, as more people sit there and tell us, I love Seattle, I love Seattle, I love Seattle, the more I love Arizona. Uh, I don't. I don't care if they put the, you know, pull a Kurt Warner and pull the bad boy out of the supermarket. Uh, this Seattle team is much worse than people realize they are. And sure, Seattle may win this game, but they are so bad. They, they, they metrically, they people don't realize. I don't understand what people see in the Seattle team. Uh, Wilson came back weeks early off of off of his injury. Uh, he looks like it, and when that happens traditionally, uh, things don't get better in a hurry. He doesn't have enough support. Uh, basically, if you take him out of the lineup, there's nothing left. I mean, there's very little left on that team. Arizona, even being dinged up, has a lot going for him, and I think they're they're a far better team here. And I don't expect Hopkins to play. I think Murray will play, uh, and I was joking about the bad boy quarterback uh, I will have some concern if Murray doesn't play, but I think he's going to play. Uh, they want this game. They need this game. And it's Seattle, if Seattle won every single game this season, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Think about that. That's how bad they are. They would not necessarily be in the playoffs. So, 
hand it over to you guys. I like Arizona. I have it as an official play. It's not going to show up on the board, though. All right. Well, more of a Seahawks fade, it sounds like, than anything for you in this one. And it's a pretty quick pass for me. I think it sounds like Murray's trending toward playing. We know that Russell Wilson should play, but to your point, who knows what we can expect from him. And without much of uh, an insight into what we're going to see from either quarterback in this one, I'm going to pass and toss it over to Scott. Yeah, it's a pass. For, first of all, i got to see if Murray or Hopkins are playing. Uh, like Chris said, Murray's probably playing. How effective will, will he be? We'll see. But um, Hopkins, I'm not sure about. I favor If they both play, I favor Arizona by um, about 1.2 points. Um, and to Chris's point, um, Seattle looked horrible last year. Absolutely. Or last week. Absolutely horrible. So I'm not playing the game. I'm not playing Seattle. Um, and... Chris, what do you? I, I saw your look there. What do you? What do you have Arizona favored by? Certainly, an over field goal. They, they would be uh, uh, if they were both playing. You don't even want to know my number. These teams are not close. I'm not. I'm okay. not even going to tell you my number. But <laughs> the the real world, the real world line will certainly go to if Hopkins and Murray played. It it has to be at least four uh, as a as a minimum. Uh, in my in my world, my line's higher than that for sure. Yeah, Chris. Last time I think you didn't want to tell us your number. It was when we were on the Browns hosting the Steelers. Uh, you were very high in Cleveland. That one didn't go so well. So I will wish you much better luck this time around <laughs> with no investment uh, in either side. And with that, we'll move on to the marquee matchup of the weekend. That being Dallas at Kansas City. The Chiefs currently laying two and a half, and the total in this one uh, maybe the real story. 56 and a half up from an opener of 52 and a half. A lot of reason why all three of us are invested in this game in one way or another. Chris, let's kick it off with you taking a side. Oh, everybody seems to think Kansas City is back after beating that Raider team. Um, I'm not buying. I want to see more. Uh, Preseason expectations and the aura... Uh, I, I believe infiltrate people's thinking, and that's that happens to all of us. Uh, just following my numbers, though, I, I don't see uh, I, I I don't see a reason for Kansas City to be favored. Um, I think people are buying in enough to where we might touch that three. Everybody's waiting for that three. Trust me, this line's going to come down. I, I think it's going to come down. Uh, there's a there's a lot of people that are going to be on Dallas that uh, that, that know the numbers, and uh, that's it. I mean, you, everybody knows about both of these teams. I don't need to, to waste any more time. It, it's Everybody knows both of these teams very well. It's going to be the most anticipated game of the week, and the numbers are definitely on Dallas' side. Yeah, one more thing I'll add. It's another short dog in pocket for you. So presumably another game where about 20% of that wager are going to go on the Cowboys on the money line for a plus payout as well. I'm going to go ahead and tease the Cowboys up through the seven to plus eight and a half, pairing them with the Bills minus one. Typically not the kind of teaser I'd play. Uh, This is a game with a really high total. That often implies added variance. So teasing an underdog up, not always a good move mathematically. But I think this total is so high in large part because that Cowboys offense is so good against a beatable Chiefs defense. So that's all right for me to get in play here. And with Buffalo, I know we're only going, uh, you know, down from seven to one, but that seven has been tilted towards seven and a half. So a pretty similar value proposition with the Bills, knowing that should they win by one over the Colts, we at least have the chance of a push. And getting into the Dallas side of this teaser, last week, Chris, you kind of touched on it. A lot of people thinking the Chiefs have now fixed everything. It's possible. It could also be that they took on a Raiders defense that was playing cover three, when we know cover two is what gives that Chiefs offense fits. The one fly in the ointment here. Dan Quinn, also a big cover three guy. Not sure if he's going to adjust his defense, if they even have the guys to play an effective cover two. So the Chiefs probably going to be moving the ball up and down the field once again. But I think the Cowboys will be able to do the same. The Chiefs defense the last two weeks, uh, they benefited on Sunday night this past week from a big Deshaun Jackson fumble when he appeared to be running the wrong way also. And then Darren Waller had a touchdown nullified in the end game by penalty. So that suppressed the Raiders scoreboard output. The week before that, 
Kansas City drew Jordan Love in his first career start. So some pretty favorable matchups for the Chiefs. Certainly a big step up in class this week. And all things considered, even with those breaks the Chiefs have gotten the past couple weeks, still last in the league in early down success rate. So I'm looking for a lot of success from the Cowboys offense. Scott, let us know how you're attacking this one. I like the teaser here as well, Matt. Um, you know, this thing, Dallas is very balanced in offense, throwing the ball, running the ball. Which kind of, we remember that game week one, I was just looking at the score here, 33-29 Kansas City over Cleveland. It has that feel because I don't, I don't know how Kansas City is going to stop Dallas on a consistent basis, which means in a teaser, um, we're going to you know, be getting eight and a half points here. Um, I think that's a pretty good range because Kansas City has clearly shown, for the most part, they're not separating themselves from the competition. Also kind of has the feel for that 31-29 or whatever that score was um, against Tampa Bay back in week one as well. I just think Dallas is going to be able to score with them here. Uh, or let's look at the Ravens game a few years ago where I think they lost by five points uh, matching scores uh, with Kansas City. I think they're going to be able to score. Kansas City's 0-8 against the spread as a home favorite the last eight games. As we all know, they're having problems separating themselves. Uh, and this is a good team. Unlike, you know, Vegas, like as Chris said, might be in a free fall here. Uh, you know, Dallas is still a very good team. I don't think Dallas's defense is great, but I think their offense is more than enough to match scores. And if we're getting over a touchdown here, I think this is good value. I'm going to tease them with Buffalo. I think Buffalo is also, you know, I make Buffalo about a nine-point favorite in that game uh, against Indianapolis. And I think that's a very good matchup for Buffalo. Their strength is throwing the ball. Indy's one deficiency here is defending the pass. So I think that's a very good matchup for Buffalo as well. So getting Buffalo down to one and teasing Dallas up over a touchdown here, I think gives us some value, despite, like you said, a high total where it can bring in some variance. But I think, to your point, Dallas's offense is so good, I just don't see Kansas City getting a ton of separation from them. Yeah, well, from the marquee matchup of the whole weekend in that afternoon window on Sunday to a Sunday night matchup that's frankly lost some of its luster. A lot of question marks here, but we'll dig into it and share what we can. Pittsburgh traveling out west to take on the Chargers, where the Chargers currently a six-point favorite, up from minus three to start the week. Total <coughs> 46.5. Chris, uh, what have you got? I know we're kind of grasping at straws with this handicap with all the question marks swirling on both teams. Um. I'm I'm just waiting until uh, uh, final injury reports are out uh, and we have more information. I, I might end up on Pittsburgh here. I feel like this line is overinflated, but uh, that's all I have to say about the game at the moment. Yeah, the big question, who's going to be playing? Uh, either way, as long as Justin Herbert's under center, I would build this the Ford versus Ferrari game because... Joe Lombardi was handed the keys to a Ferrari with Justin Herbert, and he's driving it like a Ford Windstar. I mean, they need to start taking some chances and throwing the ball down the field. It looked like they might be moving in the direction coming out of the bye. Uh, we certainly haven't seen it happen. I think that was a big factor in the loss to the Vikings last weekend. And I'll just say, I'm not betting the money line in this one, but the Chargers better win or else these Chargers pajamas I've been wearing during our recordings, guys, they're going to get suspended from these shows. So fingers crossed the Chargers can figure out something here. Scott, what do you make for in the Steelers-Chargers showdown? I'm with Chris here. Until we can see the injury stuff, um, I really don't have much of an opinion, uh, opinion on this. I will ask, though, Matt, you can um, refresh my memory. Didn't Pittsburgh go to the Chargers a few years ago on a Sunday night um, without their without Roth, Roethlisberger, obviously, yep. and the and the and the line got shot way up, and I think Pittsburgh ended up winning that game. Um, you know, here comes the Chargers as a favorite. Well, we know they're horrible, so um, you know it'd be Pittsburgh or nothing for me. I I I highly doubt I'll play this game, but um, and now we got Herbert, who you know has got some oblique injury, so who knows what that ultimately means as well. So we need to see that, but I got to see the injury situation before I'd even have an opinion on this, really. It's hard to believe that the Chargers had the same record as Cincinnati and the Raiders, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Seemingly every AFC team. They were 3-0 too, right? Weren't they 3-0 at the beginning of the season? Uh, they lost week two to Dallas, but they were off to a hot start. Right. I believe they were 4-1 and after they beat the Browns. But yeah, yeah um, the, the Chargers and sustained success kind of go like oil and vinegar. So we'll see what they can do this Sunday. And in the other primetime game, to wrap up the weekend, not as many question marks about who's playing, um, but tough to make of a pretty big number here when we look at the point spread. Tampa Bay, minus 11, hosting the Giants on Monday night. Total, 49 and a half. Chris, what are you looking for in this one? Uh, alternative programming. Uh, 
I, I, you know, I, I just don't want to spend time on on on, on a game that uh, I don't have a lot to contribute here. I just, uh, I have not. The line seems to be about right. I could make a case for either side. Uh, I, I think the Giants will end up being the popular side when it's all said and done. Uh, that's it. Yeah, well, if you're looking for alternative programming, I've got something uh, still on the ESPN family of networks, ESPN+. Plus. You can catch Tom Brady on Monday night. If you haven't already seen Man in the Arena, are you familiar with that? I've heard about it, and, and nobody has won the following week, correct? <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> It just came out, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I've, Part one came out. Yeah, but, but everybody, okay, I'm conf- I thought you were talking about the, the Manning brothers, whoever shows up with the Manning brothers. Oh, 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 the Manning cast. That's phenomenal on ESPN as well. The Man in the Arena is a 10-part documentary on ESPN Plus that just premiered. It's basically each episode focusing on one of Brady's Super Bowl appearances. So they just kicked it off this week uh, with his first Super Bowl back in 2001. And I thought it was a really fascinating first episode. So again, if you're looking for alternative programming but still want to see Tom Brady on ESPN, maybe the man in the arena, the better bet than this Monday night game. Sticking to the game, I do like that the Giants have perhaps the most supreme rest situation we could see. They were at home a couple weeks ago. Then they got there by... And even though they're on the road here, they get the benefit of waiting all the way till Monday night to suit up again. So if anything, a slight situational edge for the Giants, but nothing for me to get in play here. It's hard to see any value. Scott, can you uncover any value when it comes to looking at this one from a betting perspective? It, well, and, and by the way, Chris, the Manning brothers are on ESPN2 if you like to at least have the game on and get some humor from it. So uh, that's another option for you. So you got a lot of options now here, too. Well, so. you know, you being elderly like I am, it's it's the hearing <laughs> problems that happen. So uh, it, are there subtitles on that show? Uh, I don't think there are, <laughs> but you might be able to put that on your TV, though. So look look into that. So. Okay. Um, hey, so for this game, uh, I'm going to go back to something that's uh, I've used a couple times this year and, and had success with it. I'm going to look to play Tampa Bay over their team total of 31 and a half points. 30 and a half would be a great, but we'll take the 31 and a half here. Um, Bucks number one in lowest sack percentage allowed. Giants number 30 in pressure rate. Brady should have time to throw. They, they're clearly going to be focused coming off two losses, so I think we're going to get their best effort from that standpoint as well. Uh, and just looking here, since Brady came here last year, and this has been kind of the basis uh, of using this, um, Tampa Bay has scored 31 or more in seven of the eight home games when they've been favored by seven or more. So when they're large favorites, they, team to, they seem to score. They're obviously a, a much superior team than the opponent. Uh, they put points on the board. Giants allowed 44 at uh, Dallas earlier this year. They've allowed 38 to the Rams. Now, they did only allow 20 to Kansas City, and, and you know they, they, they kept held Vegas in check as well. But we know Vegas is probably in a free-for-all. But uh, I, I see Tampa Bay being able to score points here. I, I worry a little bit because I, I do think Antonio Brown is an important piece to this offense, and I don't think he's playing again this week. So uh, I worry a little bit. But they're going to be focused, uh, and they have taken care of business in this role in the past. I will point out... For whatever reason, Giants 23 and 8 against the spread as a road dog since 2017, 8 and 2 against the spread as a dog uh, of more than seven. So uh, they have been competitive in in dog games for them, but um, I like Tampa to get over the 31 and a half team total points in this game. I will comment that uh, the Giants are the worst team offensively over the last six weeks that, uh, as far as. Uh, uh, performance over versus the overall league, so they they've dropped the most. So uh, something's something's going really south offensively over a long period of time with them overall. And number thirty-two for me in big pass plays. So they're not they're not getting big plays at all. Um, they're probably not going to be able to run uh, on 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 the Buccaneers. Um, so you know, and if that happens and they're punting the ball and they're not moving the ball, Tampa Bay you know potentially gets good favorable field position as well. I think that pretty much puts a bow on our week 11 breakdown. On that note, let's pull up that full screen graphic. Taking a look at our best bets for the week, we've got Chris on the Jets plus three and a half, the Vikings plus one, and the Cowboys plus two and a half. And, and Arizona. Back, yes, Arizona minus the two. And let's not forget your picks on the Tuesday show, Chris. Buffalo minus seven and Baltimore minus six and a half. Uh, I also think we can mention New Orleans plus two not on this graphic. So if you see a short dog on this week's board, Chris is probably on them. And don't forget about considering a small money line wager to complement those short underdogs. 
Speaking of underdogs, I'm on Washington plus three and a half and Houston plus 10. Also a teaser with the Vikings. Six and a half point teaser, get up to minus 130 to take Minnesota up to plus seven and a half, pairing them with New Orleans plus eight and a half. Also looking at Cincinnati, Las Vegas over 50 and a half and a two team teaser with the Bills down to minus one, paired with the Cowboys plus eight and a half. See you tonight, I with Scott on a couple plays, Houston plus 10 and Cincy, Las Vegas over 50 and a half as well as that teaser, Buffalo minus one, Dallas plus eight and a half, and Scott's final play of the week, we just talked about it, that Bucks team total over 31 and a half. That's what we've got for week 11. We have breaking news, breaking news. Jared Goff is not going for the Lions. And how much does that matter to the point spread, Chris? Uh, You know what? The thing about that game is, if they play Boyle, Boyle's the type of guy that's going to throw deep and do everything that Goff didn't do. So it'll be a different type of – he'll be able to do different things with the nobodies that he has to throw to. So who knows what's going to happen. But look for you know them to be able to do a little bit more. If Boyle's- Yeah, I would, I would make it about two and a half points, not a lot of points. And, Chris, you can probably comment on this better than I can. But uh, Boyle's going to play, obviously. But he's been on IR, so he's not even practicing yet at this point um with the team because they haven't activated them yet so um just a little he's, sidebar he's, there but he's the probable starter now they just yeah yeah he'll start there's no yeah. question about that they just have to activate him but i just thought found it kind of funny like he has not even practiced this week um although they know they're going to activate him if golf can't go which sounds like this is the situation well yeah it sounds Sounds like we're going to have to wait one more week at least for Goff to get his first win without Sean McVay as his head coach. Chris, did you have one more thought to add to this one? No, it's just always an experience with the Lions, isn't it? It's just a soap opera. <laughs> we've already talked more than we should on this game, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I think we've exceeded our time allotment on the Lions for this week. So that'll go ahead and wrap us up. If you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give this video a quick thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. And remember, you can sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. Thanks for tuning in. Best of luck with your action this weekend. And a quick programming note, we'll be back with you live on Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll cover the full Week 12 board in that one show. Should be quite a Thanksgiving appetizer. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.